So I'm preaching uh, the second part uh, of a message that I that I started two weeks ago. Um, two weeks ago, I, I started the message, and, and I knew in the preparation that it was going to be two weeks long. So it was called Partial Obedience Part 1. So this is Partial Obedience Part 2. And we had a week in between because Eric Ingdahl was here with us last week. And uh, yeah, so Eric is our um, missionary to Scotland. Um, he's with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. He's in his mid-twenties, and he's just passionate for God, and he's passionate for people. And, you know, that guy cares more about the injustices that people are going through um, than anybody I know, and he has such a clear uh, knowing that Jesus is the answer for those people, that it's not some program, that Jesus is the answer for those people. So Eric came last week, and he shared. And I just I want to let you guys know, because I think this is very cool, um, we as a church, um, we as a church, uh, with offerings that came in, um, we were we were just a, a couple hundred shy of a thousand dollars, and so we just rounded up to a thousand dollars, and so we sent Eric back with a thousand dollars. That's funding the kingdom, guys. That is planting seed in Scotland and anywhere else the Lord leads them to. I mean, hearing him share Cambodia and these different places, and they'll just go and spend a hundred hours doing the work of the Lord. So that's very cool. So church, very, very well done. That was awesome. Love to see that sort of giving. So that's awesome. So we're going to be, um, we're going to do a very long recap today from 1 Samuel 15. And uh, and then we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. So 1 Samuel chapter 15. And, and just so you guys know, I'm going to kind of pause and interject and just kind of uh, expand on on the scripture here. Okay, verse 1. Then Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself up against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has and do not spare him. And put to death both male and uh, both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So once again, why did why did God issue such utter destruction? Well, the Amalekites were a band of guerrilla terrorists who uh, thrived on robbing people, um, stealing from them, uh, attacking other nations, carrying off their wealth, carrying off their families, and in doing so, robbed them of future. Uh, they were the first people that attacked Israel uh, when Israel moved into the promised land. Uh, so God just said, uh, enough is enough. And I want them utterly destroyed. Uh, God knew that Israel could not live peaceably if these people were alive. So he's like, problem solved. I want them annihilated. I want it done. So God gives Saul ridiculously clear instructions. Abundantly clear instructions. He wanted the Amalekites completely annihilated. And he gave three repetitive commands to, to make this abundantly clear. So verse 3. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all he has. And do not spare him, but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. God made it very clear, very clear what Saul was to do. Um, I'm not the sharpest guy in the room, but I'm sharp and I'm not so dull that I wouldn't understand this instruction. It was clear. It was obvious. God made it clear what he wanted to do. Um, I made this statement two weeks ago and I'll make it again now. I think for the most part in our lives, God makes it abundantly clear what he wants us to do. The Holy Spirit is good at what he does. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. If you're a married man or woman and flirtatious behavior starts in the office with someone of the opposite sex, I promise you this. I promise you this. The Holy Spirit is loud and clear and makes it obvious. Knock it off. Oh, it's just just harmless. It is not harmless. It will destroy your marriage. Knock it off. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will be that clear in your heart and in your lives if you don't hear it audibly. Okay? God is good at what he does. Being obedient. Being obedient is not always easy. As a matter of fact, it's usually hard. 
Obedience is usually difficult, challenging, trying, taxing. Verse 4. Then, set, then Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. Saul came to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the valley. Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to the sons of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites once again, who did the Kenites play with? The Barbieites, of course. I tell you, this is, this is I, yeah, I got the same response two weeks ago. But it's, you know, you had to go there. Um, a good point to make here. Uh, God didn't tell Saul to destroy the Kenites. So he was obedient, not adding to the command. The Bible says we should not add to nor take away from the word of God. Let's continue in verse 7. So Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as you go to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good and were not willing to destroy them utterly. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Saul spared the life of Agag, the king of the Amalekites. He spared the lives of the best of the livestock. He refused to destroy the things that were good and that were valuable. Saul refused to obey God. Saul did most of what he was commanded to do. Saul partially obeyed. What's the word we use for partial obedience? Disobedience. Disobedience. You guys, partial obedience is disobedience. But Lord, I did most of what you told me to. Then you disobeyed. Then you weren't willing to obey. Or in other words, you put your will ahead of God's will. You weren't willing to obey. That's what happened with Saul. Verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I regret that I have made Saul king. This is God speaking. For he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands and Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. Real quick. Does God have emotions? Absolutely he has emotions. He's a person. He's not an idol. He's not a faceless entity. God is a person. We see him in the person of the Father, the person of the Son, the person of the Holy Spirit. We see in the Word that God has joy. God has anger. And we see here, God had sorrow. When God was saying that he regretted making Saul king, he was not saying he made a mistake. Let's make that clear. God expressing regret over this was not God saying, oh, I blew it on that one, I made a mistake. God is perfect. God does not make mistakes. But what God was saying was, I have sorrow. I have sorrow over the fact that this man is king. Does that make sense? Verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I regret that I have made Saul king for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. Let's go to verse 12. Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. And it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself. Set up a monument for himself. 
just out of curiosity and you know don't don't answer now but answer later when you're kind of alone with yourself what are the monuments in our lives what are the monuments that you and I have set up in our lives Are they meant to bring glory to God? Are they meant to show how cool we are? How awesome I am? Is it meant to just bring me attention, bring me glory? Is it meant to bring me fame? Is it meant to bring me wealth? Is it meant to bring me... Do we make it about us? The monuments in our lives, are they set up to glorify God? Or are they set up to please us because we weren't willing to obey? Because we weren't willing to let God have his way. It's just a, one of those challenging little questions. It's good to take inventory of our lives. It's good to look and go, okay, what, what, are, what are the results of my actions? What are the motives of my heart? Do I truly want God to be glorified in what I do? Saul set up a monument for himself when he came back. Verse 12, Then turned and proceeded down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, this is Saul, the king, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. Holy cow, what the heck? I mean, you guys, God is not a chump. I mean, he's not. God is not some chump. He can't be tricked and lied to and deceived. That kills me. I mean, I actually get angry. The Bible says be angry and sin not. So I can be angry. I'm angry. What a chump Saul is. That he thinks God is that much of a punk. I've done the work of the Lord. Really? Golly gee. But what makes me angry is I look back at my life. And there's times I thought I could trick God. Oh yeah, the double life in full effect. I can be this way here and I can be this way at church. I can be this way at youth group, but then at school I can be this way. You guys, God can't be, he can't be tricked. He can't be fooled. He can't be deceived. Now he's awesome and he loves us, but I think it gets me angry because in our society we lack honor. We lack honor and we don't honor God. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. You know, I preached a, a message uh, uh, on, on honor uh, last year and afterwards Michael came up to me. He's like, man, who, who ticked you off, man? Who dishonored you? <laughs> and so I gave him a list of everyone. No, I'm just kidding. I, I didn't. You know, I was like, no, it's just a, with a society we lack honor. God is to be honored. When we come into this place, why do we do what we do? Man, it's all for Jesus. Why do we sing like we sing? Why do we get fired up? Why do we raise our hands? Why do we show emotion? Because we honor Him. He is awesome. And it's a way of elevating Him above ourselves, above our circumstances, above all things. Let's continue. I have carried out the command of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Love it. boy, Samuel. Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared your best, spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest, the really crappy stuff we've sacrificed the really crummy stuff stuff the rest we 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 annihilated we have utterly destroyed Saul and his men did not destroy all the plunder as God had commanded once again guys it shows disrespect and disregard for God it shows disrespect and disregard for God because it it directly violates His commands. Once again, guys, honor is important. I know we live in a very casual society. For crying out loud, I'm up here preaching in shorts, and you know that wouldn't have taken place, you know, back in the day. And, and I'm cool with it, but I'm not cool with us not giving God due honor. He is God. Partial obedience is what? 
disobedience. Friends, so is selective obedience. Selective obedience is disobedience. Does that make sense? Doing the things that I select, I choose, what I will, is disobedience. Lord, it's easy for me to give this up. Lord, I don't struggle with this. Here you go, God. Here you go. No, I want you to give up this thing right here that's valuable. That's I want you to give up this thing here that doesn't glorify me, that, that doesn't bring honor to me. You represent me. I want you to give that up. Lord, I already told you I'd give you this other thing. I mean, what more do you want? So I'm, I mean, how about all? How about everything? Verse 16, Then Samuel said to Saul, Wait, and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak. Samuel said, Is it not true? Though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel. And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Verse 20. Then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I did obey. I went on the mission. I, I did obey. I, I went and served. I did obey. I went and did this part. You saw me. I got up and I went. Saul, it's not enough. It's not enough that you began it. How did you finish it? Were you obedient? I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choicest of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. So insubordination, we've heard that word. You guys know what the exact definition of it is? You know what insubordination means? It's a simple definition. Defiance of authority. Refusal to obey orders. That's what insubordination means. Defiance of authority. Refusal to obey orders. If you're in the military, you know that word. Defiance to authority. Insubordination. Refusal to obey orders. Insubordination. And it said right here that it's iniquity. It's idolatry. It's it's debauchery. It's sin. Verse 23. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has also rejected you from being king. Now, I tell you what's cool about this. and We're not going to go there. You can study it. It's a great study. Samuel talking to Saul was bold, man. He was bold. He was strong. But we see that he was afraid. He, he, he had fear in doing this. He knew Saul, and he knew the temperament of Saul, and he knew the flesh of Saul. But it did not stop him from doing what God told him to do. Samuel was obedient. We see the next chapter. If we keep on studying... Samuel sets off on a new journey to find the next king of Israel to the house of Jesse where he finds a young, unqualified lad by the name of David. Saul does, or Samuel does this kind of quietly because he fears 
what Saul will do. You guys, fear is not a validator to keep us from being obedient to God. Nothing is a validator. Nothing qualifies as being acceptable to prevent us from serving God in obedience. You guys, there's blessing in being obedient to the Lord. There is victory in being obedient to the Lord. There is peace in being obedient to the Lord. There is honor in being obedient to the Lord. But we aren't obedient for any of those reasons. Not for honor. Not for peace. Not for victory. We're not obedient for any of those reasons. We are obedient to God. Because we love Him. And we trust Him. That's the reason for our obedience. Our obedience. If we make our obedience about anything else, guys, we we dance in the dangerous area of legalism and religion. If we make our obedience about, about trying to please God, we do it because we love Him. If we do it to earn good standing with God, no, we obey because we love Him. There's a quote from Keith Green. It says, Loving Jesus is to be our cause. He can take care of a lot of other causes without us, but He can't make us love Him with all our hearts. That's the work we must do. Anything else is imitation. I'm not getting up here preaching a message on obedience and I'm going to provide you with a list of things you need to do. You guys, you need to, we need to fall deep in love with Jesus Christ. That's our mission. That's our cause. I love this. He can do a lot of other causes without our help. But what He can't do is make us fall in love with Him. That we do by just willingly yielding to Him and surrendering our heart, going, Lord, I give you my heart. Captivate me. We sing songs about capture capture me now. Captivate me, Lord. Men, I know sometimes we're not comfortable you know, with that. It's like, man, I'm a man. I'm, go- I'm not going to be captivated. I'm going to hunt it. With the Lord, we're to let Him capture us. He, he's looking for us, seeking us. He loves us. We don't obey God for accomplishment, but adoration. We don't obey God for profit, but for His praise. We don't obey God for legalistic approval, but for love. I believe most of us in this room probably know the story of of Abraham and Isaac. Isaac, the only son of of Abraham, and the Lord asking Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. So let's just take a look. Uh, let's take a look at this passage. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter twenty-two, verse one. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Now. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I tell you. It would have been enough for God to have said, Take now your son, Isaac. It would have been prophetic for him to say, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac. But in God saying, take now your son, your only son, the one whom you love, Isaac. Church, that message is for us. That redundancy is for our part. That's for, that's for our benefit. Because Abraham would have knew 
Instantly, if you would have said, take now your son. God's repetitiveness here. So let us know this message is for us. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and offer him as a sacrifice, an offering to me. Friends, are we willing to take what is most precious to us, most valuable to us? We may, in fact, only have one of it. To take that thing and sacrifice it to the Lord. To give it to God because we trust Him and because we love Him. By the way, that's what God did for us with His Son, Jesus. His only Son. His only Son, whom He loved and sent Him to be a sacrifice for you and I. You know, uh, I... In 2000, I had a daughter. And then in 2001, I had a son. And then in 2004, I had another daughter. So we have three kids. And this is Acacia. She's my oldest. And um, when we um, first made it back to church after after coming home from the hospital, we waited a couple of weeks and came to church. And I had, had Acacia there. And I remember, you know, saying, Lord, I give her to you. I give I give her life to you. I give her to you. This thing that is available to me, Lord, she's yours. I dedicate her to you. I have your way in her life. Now I got to tell you, when I had when we had Jordan, it took me months to do that. It took months to stand before the Lord honestly and say, "He's yours. Do what you will." Because see, that was my boy. That was my son. He carried on my name my lineage. And it was very hard. I, I couldn't do it. Several times I hold your worship and I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't come up there and go, take him, he's yours. You can have him. Whatever you want for his life, let it be so, because that was my boy. But when I did, I just cried. I, I kneeled and I just cried. And I'm like, I mean it. I mean it. He's yours. I give him to you. Are we willing to give God what's most precious to us and not just to do it in words guys to do it when the when the rubber meets the road verse 3 so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him on the third day Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. So God asked Abraham to do the unimaginable. In fact, it is my opinion, God asked Abraham to do the hardest thing that has ever been asked of anybody. I believe, this is my opinion. I believe at this point, nobody had ever been asked to do anything harder than what God asked Abraham to do at this point. So God asks him to do this unthinkable thing. And on top of that, on top of that, God says, you're going to have to walk through the desert for three days before you get to where I need you to be. Are we willing to pay the price to be obedient? Are we willing to pay the price to walk out what God has asked us to do, even at the cost of our discomfort, our pain, our loss? So that, so that he can be glorified and have gain. Guys, I said it before, obedience is rarely easy. Verse 5, Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the word of uh, the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And Abraham said, Here I am, son. This is a key phrase. Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? 
Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Verse 9, Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Whoa. Have you guys ever wondered how in the world was he able to do that? I love God. But I can't even entertain doing that. Have you guys guys thought the same thing? How in the world was he able to do that? How was he able to lay his son down, bind him, put him on the wood, raise the blade? How could any father do that to his son? You guys, this is one of the greatest stories. One of the greatest parts of our Christian history. And it's absolutely morbid. How can we celebrate his blind obedience? Have you ever wondered that? How can we celebrate his blind obedience in this manner? This is dark. Well, we don't celebrate his blind obedience. We recognize and celebrate his love and trust for the Father. This is how Abraham was able to do this. Hebrews 11. By faith, so this is New Testament, this is Hebrews. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. Verse 19. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. You guys, what Abraham did wasn't just blind obedience. What Abraham did was indicative of his faith that he said, I believe the promises of God. I believe it when God said that I am blessed and that my descendants will be countless. I believe him and I believe that he is able to raise the dead. So I... I can do this because I know my son will not stay dead. Abraham was able to do what he did because he so had trust in God that he believed that his son would not stay dead. That God would raise him from the dead so that God, who is not a liar, could be true to his promises. That is awesome. That is love for God. That is faith in God. So now we continue. You know, gosh, obedience awesome. Verse 10, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. I don't know what it is. I think it's so, there's so much beauty in the simplicity of his response. When his son cried out to Abraham, he replied, here I am, son. And when the angel of the Lord called out, called his name, he says, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. Guys, we we don't serve a sadistic God. We serve a good God. We serve a loving God. And we don't have to hide from that God. Even if what we did an hour ago was just crummy. Because His grace, because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we don't have to hide from God. We don't have to be afraid of God. We don't have to be ashamed and and let our shame keep us from God. Our response can be, here I am, Lord. Here I am. It's beautiful. Those are powerful words. Verse 12. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. 
And Abraham went and took the ram and offered the ram up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord. Because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sands which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God commended Abraham for his complete obedience. Demonstrated in his willingness to sacrifice what he loved most. God blessed Abraham because he was completely obedient. Even in the face of the hardest thing that anyone has ever been asked to do. To obey is better than sacrifice. We read it earlier, 1 Samuel 15, 22. Samuel said, if I can pause and let's think back to that. There's, there's Saul giving himself attaboys. I've done the work of the Lord. I, I made the monument to myself, you know, of course. I'm the conquering king. But I've, I've done the work of the Lord. Half, half-heartedly been obedient. And this is Samuel's response Samuel has said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Uh, one, of my, one of my heroes in the faith was a man by the name of Keith Green. I read a quote from him earlier. In 1975, Keith Green was a 19-year-old, talented songwriter, singer, musician. And at the age of 19, in 1975, he gave his life to Christ. He was radically saved, radically changed, annoyingly radically changed. And he got under Christian skins. I mean, he, he still continued singing and writing music. And the people he bugged the most were Christians because he just... He, he, no compromise. Either you live it or you don't. Either you believe it or you don't. No compromise was was a credo of his. He wrote a song, To Obey is Better Than Sacrifice. And I want to read, I want to read part of the words of that song. It says, To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't need your money. I want your life. And I hear that you say that I'm coming back soon, but you act like I'll never return. To obey is better than sacrifice. I want more than Sunday and Wednesday nights. Because if you can't come to me every day, then don't bother coming at all. This song was unbelievably controversial. Do you know why? Because of that one line. I want more than Sundays and Wednesday nights. And if you can't come to me every day, then don't bother coming at all. See, whose perspective was the song sang by? From God's perspective, right? This is God. This is Keith writing the song from the heart of God. And people were like, God would never say that. God would never say that. God would never say, if you, if you can't come to me every day, don't bother coming at all. What do you think? Would God say that? I do know what the word says. I do know that we see in scripture that God the Father and God the Son said some very challenging things. Some very harsh things. Some very... Man, some things that make me cringy when I'm... Ooh, that stings me and I'm over here in Erie, Colorado. I know that Jesus said he didn't want any half-hearted followers. 
And I believe here's why, guys, if you can just hear me. I just don't see any results from a half-hearted follower of God other than partial obedience. And God will never be satisfied with partial obedience. If we are only a half-hearted follower of God, you guys, we're not capable of obedience. We're not. It's, it's all or nothing. God wants more than Saturday nights and Wednesdays. He does. He wants all of our love. He wants all of our hearts. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 says this, and I'm closing. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbors yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Right, teacher. You have truly stated that he is one and there is no one else besides him and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. All. 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 To love God completely better than any sacrificial work we do. To give Him our all. To give Him our love. To love Him completely better than any of our religious efforts. So how do we show the world that we love Jesus? How do we demonstrate to the world that we love Jesus? Obey. We obey. We obey His commands. That's how the world knows we love Jesus. We obey His commands. We follow Him. Follow me. Let's go. We're going this way. Come on. We follow Him. That's the only way the world knows we love Him. We obey Him. Jesus put an end to half-hearted religion when He summarized the law in one command. You guys, the greatest commandment is not merely to love God. I got to make that clear. The greatest commandment is not to love God. The greatest commandment is to love God completely. There's a difference, right? There's a difference between loving pizza, loving cashews loving otter pops why, why, why are they all food I don't know and and, and loving that that child that, that I lifted to the Lord and said he is yours she is yours and loving God going I am yours I am yours Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The word whole or all is repeated four times in that verse. Friends, he wants all or he wants nothing. Period. Uh, period. The Bible says be either hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, you are vomitous. I will spit you out of my mouth. Be hot or cold. Don't ride the fence. Don't be in the middle. Be hot or cold. Guys, he wants all or nothing. All. You know why that is so hard? That's hard. I can tell. I'm looking at faces going, dang, that's hard. Because that means we got to give them all. That means that half-hearted service to God is not acceptable. And so we're convicted by the Holy Spirit because many times that is our service to the Lord is half-hearted. But then let's fall deeper in love with Him. 
because then it won't be about the service. It'll be about the love affair we have with God. So it won't be about how we measure up. It'll be how much I love Him. It's like, oh my gosh, it's like 4 o'clock in the morning. We've been talking for 12 hours. I love you so much. I better go to bed. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. I can't wait to see you in the morning. Let's just stay up. What the heck? It's already 4 o'clock. Let's get breakfast, God. I am serious. Falling in love with God. Our cause is to fall in love with Jesus. The Bible says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Guys, what is the result of our love for God? Obedience. It is. Hey, I, I don't like it any more than you do. I mean, if, you know, if I'm honest, you know, it's, it's hard. I told you before, it's not easy. Obedience is not easy. But it is the result of our love for God. Not because I've been ordered to do so. You guys, we got to get that. Not because I've been ordered to do so. But because I love Him. Friends, we got to spend time with God. Mondays, spend time with God. Tuesday, spend a little time with God. Wednesday, spend a little time with Him. Thursday, yeah, spend some time with God. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Guys, Saturday night and Wednesdays at prayer, it's not enough. God wants more. By the way, we have prayer every Wednesdays. In that room right there, it's awesome. I encourage you to come join us. But that's not enough. That's not... we got to be spending time with God constantly so that we can grow in Him, so that, so that we can fall deeper in love with Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your love, God, and I thank you for your truth and your word. And Lord, um, just as sometimes your word is hard, uh, Lord, that just coincides with the fact that sometimes obeying you, Lord, being obedient, being fully and completely obedient is hard. But Lord, we do it not because we want to earn points with you. We want to check things off the the good Christian checklist. Lord, we we commit to be obedient to you because we love you. Because you're good. Because you're faithful. Because you're the only one that can bring life out of death. Because you're the only one that has this amazing future and plan and destiny for us. One that is good. Because you're the only one, Lord, in which we find peace. In whom we find peace. In whom we find joy. You're the only one, Lord. We can't find it in a can. We can't find it anywhere else, Lord. We love you. And we trust you. We trust you. So, Lord, right now, as your your church, we just commit to, to, to open our door to you. We know you're wooing us, so we say, Lord, have your way. Capture my heart. In Jesus' name. With all eyes closed, if you can just stay locked in for one second, this is going to be short. If you're here tonight and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, you've never committed your life to Him and said, Lord, I give you my life and I trust your plan. But you believe Him. You believe He's real. You might not have all the facts, but in your heart you do. You believe that He loves you and that He's real and that He has a plan for you. If you're here tonight and you've never placed your trust in Jesus, but you want to, the Bible says this, if you believe in your heart that He is Lord and confess Him with your lips that He is Lord, you shall be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here tonight and you've never called on the name of the Lord, you've never said, Lord, I want to give my life to you, and I trust you for what tomorrow holds. If that's you, I just want you to, to raise your hand, to lock eyes with me. I want it to be unmistakable. 
I want to know that this moment something has changed and that your life will never be the same because of you're giving your life to the Lord. Is there anybody? Just just make it obvious to me, guys. I'm not going to... Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else? All right, friends, let's open our eyes for a second. I'm going to do a second call. We'll do this one with our eyes open. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, but you want to, you want to re-up, you want to repeat your vows, you want to re-up your commitment. Maybe the message on partial obedience or selective obedience has resonated with you, and you just want to say, "Lord, no more, no compromise, not anymore, Lord. I'm yours. Yes, I'm yours." But Lord, I, I haven't given you all of my heart, all of my strength, all of my mind, all of my soul. And I want to give you my all. This didn't even apply to everybody. It's not. But it's going to apply to some. And if that's you, I want you to stand up. Just as a declaration between you and the Lord. And if you've given your life to Christ and this is, and God, the Holy Spirit's convicting you, then guys, go with it. He's a good God. Say, here's what I want you to say. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Now, whatever's on your heart, just say it to him, guys. Whatever you want to express, just say it to him. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer because he's your God. He is your Father. He is your Savior. So just just in your own words, your own heart, just cry out to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are faithful, God. Oh, you are faithful, God. Lord, Lord God, we stand here committing to you, Lord, that we love you and we give you our all. No more partial, Lord. No more half-heartedness. Lord, we give you our all. Our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. And we trust you. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we trust you. And we love you. Lord, right now, I just speak your blessing over over everyone, Lord, right? Everyone who's standing at this moment, Lord God. Everybody that is, Lord, that you have spoken to and that is responding to you, Lord. I say, fill them right now, Lord God, with renewed passion, Lord. Renewed vision, Lord God. With renewed love, Lord, with giddiness. Lord, let there be just a giddiness in the, in the renewed love for you, Lord God. Lord, give them strength. Stir vision, Lord. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I call forth those things that they thought were surrendered, that were lost, that were forfeited. But Lord, they've only been on the shelf. And Lord, we call them forth right now to be picked up and walked in and to move forward in, Lord God. Lord, you do not, Lord, you are faithful and you haven't changed your mind about the calling and the purpose and the destiny. Friends, he has not changed his mind about you. And even if you haven't been faithful, he is always faithful. Because his plan for you is the same. His call for you is the same. His destiny and purpose for you is the same. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.